welcome to Superstar Wednesday here on Authors on the Air. My name is Pam Stack. I'm your host for this evening. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. First of all, let me tell you how grateful I am that you joined me on my show and that you stick around for a while and hear about the great guests I'm very, very lucky to have. Before we get started, as per my new usual, I want to just let you know what books have been released this week. Um, J.R. Backland, Down the Broken Road, Claire Fullerton, who we heard from in the last hour, released Morning Dove, Gavin Reese's The Absolver Rome, Gavin is my guest in this hour, Eve Wing, Chasing Rainbows NYC, Reagan Black, Dylan, Tim Hallinan has a great junior bender book out now called Nighttime. You're going to love it. My friend Bo Johnson released a collection of short stories called The Big Machine Eats. And my guest earlier today, Monk Yoon Ro, released The Mad Monk Manifesto. It is a brilliant book. My guest right now, as I said, is Gavin Reese. Gavin is a law enforcement officer. He is a prolific writer, um, grew up around the Southwest, moved to the big city. We're going to hear what he came to new, considers the big city. Um, and I love the fact that he honors his parents and his grandparents for giving him uh, great role models. Um, we're going to learn more about what he does as a, a law enforcement officer and about his desire to write 500,000 words a year amazing to me. I also want to let you know that this show is sponsored by Gavin Reese, author. You can find his website at gavinreese.com. Right now, let me welcome Gavin Reese to the studio. Hi, Gavin. Welcome to Authors on the Air. Hi, Pam. Thank you for having me. I'm incredibly grateful to be here and uh, for the incredibly flattering uh, introduction there. I am I'm very impressed with all the things you do. First of all, I want to just say thank you so much for directing a portion of the proceeds from the sale of all of your books to law enforcement, first responders and military, both um the those people themselves and their families. Um having worked in police departments, um I know what it's like when families lose a first responder they're often left struggling trying to figure out how they're going to pay bills. And so what you're doing is so honorable and so kind and so generous. So I salute you for that. Can you tell us a little bit about the charities that you do support? Yes. Um, so that was one of the things when, when I first became, uh, first became a cop, there's, um, Kind of like any any relationship, there's a there's a honeymoon period where everything is wonderful and fantastic, and then you know you don't realize how how tragic the tragedy is until it really really hits close to home. And one of um, one of my one of my teammates uh, was was murdered at work, and oh. we had an incredible amount of support from our community uh, from several different organizations that specifically work to, to kind of fill in the gap that's that's left in the in the short term of that. Um because of that experience, um I specifically support uh the one hundred club, um, which is a an organization primarily here in Arizona as I understand it. Um but they mm-hmm. serve both uh the fire uh and EMS 
mm-hmm. in police communities. And then Concerns of Police Survivors, uh, which is a, an organization that specifically works with, uh, with families of fallen and injured officers. And then we've also sponsored uh, Assist the Officer, which is uh, primarily uh, out of the uh, Texas and Dallas region. Um, we went to the, uh, the funerals there in, in uh, 2016 uh, when uh, all those officers were murdered oh. and got to know some of their guys in that organization. Uh, we've also assisted uh, the Baton Rouge Area Foundation um, and uh, injured police officers fund uh, following the Vegas shooting and then Federal Law Enforcement Officers Association. Um, additionally, uh, there's a couple books, uh, The Debt Collectors, uh, which is a, a short story. Well, it's I mean, it's relative to my normal story. It's, it's short. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's uh, about 175 pages that uh, that one is about a uh, double homicide that involves drug trafficking. And so a portion of those proceeds go to the Arizona Narcotics Officers Association and the Arizona Tactical Officers Association. It's basically two uh, two different groups. you got the, the the narcs that go out and work undercover and try to infiltrate right. those organizations, and then the, the SWAT jockeys that uh, try to go in and clean up the mess afterward <laughs> and finally get to kick the door and serve the ones. And then our um, one of our books that I'm I'm most proud of for for more personal reasons I guess is the Misery Merchant, and that one supports uh, Shared Hope International and Where Hope Lives, the Phoenix Dream Center, and those are both organizations that combat sex trafficking uh, nationally, locally, and globally, and they also work to help victims of self tra- uh, sex trafficking with uh, recovery, rehabilitation, and ultimately uh, reintegration into society. I want to make a a notation here to those of you who who honor law enforcement, that there is, perhaps in your municipality, but definitely in your state, um, a police officer's fund when an officer is injured or murdered, um, and there will be the same thing for for all first responders. Um, you know, growing up in Miami is hard. I, as a victim advocate, mm-hmm. I worked a triple homicide of three cops. Um, the families are devastated, and the last thing you can think you think about is is you know how you're going to pay your electric bill the following month. You just got to get through that. So um, support. Are your law enforcement, it's really, really important because the first time you get in trouble, you're picking up the phone to call 911. You're not asking your neighbor for help. So um, thank you so much for sharing that information, Gavin. Let's talk a little bit about you. Um, you, you seem to have been called to the role of law enforcement officer. And by the way, anyone, if you hear me saying Leo, that's law enforcement officer, the term that we <laughs> use. Um, just, I'm, I'm not calling Gavin by a nickname or anything. But this seems yeah, my to have been, yeah. So this seems to be a calling for you to to serve. Is that so? Yes, um, I I very firmly believe that, um, and I. I I, I blame my, my parents and my grandparents. You, you mentioned them earlier, but I, I really blame them for, for all of my current troubles. Um, but the, the way that, uh, the way that um, I grew up in the, the house that I grew up in, um, 
you know, there was a, a very strong sense of, of community and, and nationalism. And we were really expected if we had the ability to step in and help someone else out, that was, that became our job. Um, and after, um, after 9-11, I was, I was still in, uh, uh, in school at the time. But when the recruiting depots reopened after um, maybe about September 14th or 15th, um, mm. I went down and was, was, uh, wanted to very desperately be part of the, <laughs> the, at least the second or third wave of, of folks going over to, um, to combat whoever had done this, um, as it was you know, all still pretty unknown at the time. Um, but I, I found out during that, throughout that process that uh, basically because of some medical issues I had uh, when I was born that you know, uh, despite all testing scores, it really wouldn't matter because I just required too many waivers. And not long after that, I was you know, really searching for, for some way to, uh, to, to serve the community and to serve the country that you know didn't have some i guess some arbitrary standards but um a few of my buddies were already cops um one at my my uh, my original home agency and then another guy in albuquerque that i grew up with and went and did some ride-alongs they were having a lot more fun doing that than i was working in finance so i put in an application <laughs> and um I was deemed crazy enough to go to the academy, so um, they uh, <laughs> they let me through the process. And I, I I guess I just really generally believe that any one of us that that has the ability and the the heart and the desire to to serve others um, needs to fulfill that role. And whether it's for you know uh, a few years or a career or a lifetime. Um, you know, I, I think that some aspect of national service really should be, you know, an, an intrinsic part of our community and our society. So I get to serve my community, and really it's, um, it's, it's really very much a two-way street. There's a tremendous amount of intrinsic satisfaction out of the entire process despite all of the, all of the negatives and all of the, all the obstacles to overcome. And here you are writing police procedurals. So you are now, you know, <laughs> engaging a whole other part of your brain. Where did the writing part of you come from, Gavin? Um, that's also my parents' and grandparents' fault. Um, my, uh, I, growing up, um, academics and uh, study was really important in the house. And my, uh, my stepdad had um, a not-so-safe and fantastic upbringing in some aspects. And so he was adamant that, despite, you know, growing up in the 80s, um, he was adamant that, you know, he was he and my mom were never going to spank or physically discipline us. So uh, pretty early on, uh, my, my one of my first punishments that I remember um, after he came into our life was that I, I had to write an essay on responsibility. Um, it had to be three pages because I had left my my sister off home alone while we were latchkey kids, um, which is probably an antiquated term now. But um, I'd left my sister off alone to you know walk this other girl home that you know I thought was more important than my sister. So my stepdad graded it with a red pen, 
Yeah, I got. Oh. Uh, I think I got a B plus on it, um, and got some some sent back for corrections. Um, but I I started I started writing um, some like comic books early on, and uh, started writing in uh, stories, short stories in uh, I guess junior high and um, really? high school was uh, yeah. I dived a little bit deeper into it. Um, and writing became very cathartic for me. It was therapeutic for me to, to be able to sit down and and write, you know, even if it was, you know, uh, a, a fictional replacement, a representation of what was going on, or, you know, it was it was a way for, for me to deal with things going on in my world. And that's that's actually how the the novels started, uh, is that I was injured at work and had to take some time off for surgery and recovery and I was exceptionally unhappy with the way things were going at that point. And so I, uh, I decided that, uh, that I was just going to start writing about it. And I had no aspirations of ever actually publishing it. It was, it was just something for me. And by the time that I was done with the thing, it was, um, I guess close to seven years later and it was 180,000 word uh, seven hundred <laughs> seven hundred and like fifty page book. Um, you know, it was, like, oh, it was weird. yeah, it was an agent's nightmare, right? Like, I can't imagine why no one wanted to publish it. <laughs> so, I I, I went uh, I went to an editor, and I, of course, you know, for my position, you know, as as someone who I knew nothing about the publishing industry, I knew nothing about the business of being an author or. Um, or commercial fiction or any of that. I just had this book that I was adamant. This is an authentic story by a cop who's been there, who's done this, and you know this is the re- this is really as complex as our life is. And so I, I went to an editor who's um, a dear friend, and she is so wonderful. She had the the intestinal fortitude to give me very honest, very blatant criticism that um, if you want to do this for you. Um, that's fantastic. If you want to do this for other people, you need to make some changes. So um, that was the original enemies domestic. Um, they got broken in half, filled in a bunch of plot holes. Um, that was published by Cyanide Publishing um, July of last year. The second half of the book um, became the origin of enemies foreign that was published in November of last year. And then we started adding in the, the case files and then, We've just recently, uh, this week, uh, launched the the Absolver Rome, um, which is a totally different series. So it looks like you have three series of books. It looks like you've got the Enemy series, and you have Alex Landon, and then you have St. Thomas. And so, but the Enemy series is actually some of Alex Landon too. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the the those got divided up as a um, basically as kind of a a little bit of a courtesy to the reader. Um, and so the the enemy series are they're more complex novels, um, and they're each I think domestic is about 504 pages in the paperback, and uh, enemy foreign I think is 514. So they're they're a little bit more of an emotional and time investment, um, and they're very accurately complex stories with what detectives and investigators are having to deal with, uh, at least from my experience at the Southern border in dealing Mm -hmm. with, um, 
the complex world of, of international drug trafficking and um, domestic terrorism. And the, there is surprising overlap among those two groups, which is what allowed that whole thing to, to function really as a single story, but you know, it just uh, wouldn't, was not commercially viable at all. But the, so the Alex Landon uh, series covers the enemy's domestic, enemy's foreign, and then the case files. They're all in the same timeline, uh, same I universe. See. Okay. And I so see. the case files are simpler stories that are a little bit more one-dimensional and focus on just one, uh, one case that's a little bit shorter and, and less, less involved. I see. Okay, now I have an idea of what you're doing here. Um, the new book that you just released a couple of days ago is called The Absolver Rome. This is called a St. Michael Thriller series book. So um, let's talk about this book for a little bit because it is a little bit of a twist on kind of a religious thriller, I think, mm-hmm. um, and not yes. so much a police procedural in the strict way, correct? No, that's all accurate. Yep, spot on. So tell us about this particular series. So um, this series was my my wife and I didn't, I've always thought of of Mrs. Reese as a bit of a conspiracy theorist, and I didn't (laughs) realize how how much of a conspiracy theorist I am until I was trying to explain to someone that I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> and <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to list all the conspiracies that I don't believe in. And I kind of came up with, I believe the moon landing is real, but beyond that, <laughs> I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of game to, you know, play in the, in the conspiracy world. So um, we had, we had a, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a self-awareness moment that I hadn't realized before. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, I, I just learned something about myself today. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we had a conversation last May um, that was I I can't even remember the exact impetus of the the conversation, but uh, effectively it started out as well. You should write a series about you know these um, you know maybe a a group of priests who you know are dealing with you know um, kind of moral violence issues and. Um, questions and if you know maybe they're going out and 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 bumping off these uh really terrible people who you know managed to get away from the cops and so it kind of started as as an offhand conversation and um i pitched it to the publisher uh to cyanide and i think i got a response in about two hours that they were very interested and it would (laughs) we would we would definitely move forward with it so um, wow. It 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 is actually in the it's in the same universe, same timeline actually as the Alex Landon series. Uh mm. different characters. Um but the the overall uh theme of the series really is um I think one that man has been wrestling with since uh Cain and Abel um is the, the morality of violence and when when is when is violence allowed, and when can you defend yourself? Where do your rights end? Where does someone else's begin? Um, and you know who's who's entitled to make these decisions. So the the story begins um, with centered around a uh, a priest named Father Michael Thomas. Um, there's a, I spent a lot of time putting together a really in depth backstory 
uh, for him and, and doing a tremendous amount of research because I've I've never been a priest, uh, nor have I uh, have I uh, uh, have I been Catholic. So it was all new territory. So I went out and got a technical advisor um, who was who was bought into the uh, or uh, had was interested in the series. I didn't pay him, but uh, he was interested in the series. And sure. obviously, you know, he had a vested vested interest in making sure that this was both authentic and respectful um, to uh, to the, the, the church and the, the religion and its dogma. So um, effectively, these, these group of priests um, are recruited by a secret cabal within the Holy See, within the Vatican, and they're sent to a training program that um, is all very uh, cloak and dagger. Uh, they don't even exactly know why they're there. Um, they have a general idea. They're allowed to make some assumptions, but nobody ever actually says, "Here's what you're here to do," until the very end. But the uh, all along the way, there's all these indications of you know confirmation of why they're why they're here. But effectively, they're they're going to be sent out into the world um, and dispatched to respond to investigate and identify the most evils um, who walk among us. So. The serial killer who hasn't yet been identified by the cops, the um, uh, serial rapists, the pedophiles, the folks that fill mm-hmm. this narrow bandwidth in psychological dysfunction that can't be rehabilitated through other means. So these guys are going to go and effectively present them in their mind and their way of thinking with a reconciliation. Um, presenting them the only opportunity to absolve them of their sins and then immediately help them to meet God in a manner that may allow them to actually ascend to heaven. So it's there's a, there's a lot of moving parts here. It sounds like it. You know, um, I have a friend who, who does very well with religious um, thrillers. His name is Simon Toyne. And it doesn't seem like like they are until you start reading them. And um, mm-hmm. so you're, I just went and bought a couple more of your books. <laughs> By the way, just listening to you talk, <laughs> I, thought, I have to go buy some more of these. So I have some more, more to read, uh, but, but um, oh, I, it sounds fascinating to me. You. And, and, um, and, you know, and I was raised Catholic. You mentioned dogma and I was like choking almost a little mm-hmm. bit on my own throw up. You know? <laughs> but, but, but because <laughs> there is a lot of that, but uh also, the Catholic Church mm-hmm. is, you know, a, a financial powerhouse unto itself, and um, yes. with its own secrets and, and lies and so on. So it's a it's a really good backdrop for things like that. I don't, you know, regardless of what your consultant said to you, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that unless you are somewhere deep inside the Vatican, uh, you know, who knows what's really going on in there? There's just, just so many legends and myths and. And some things yes. that we actually know about the church. So you're spot on on that. I haven't read a good religious thriller in a while, so I'm going to go back later on when we finish, and I'm going to pick out a few more books. Um, I want to talk to you well, about. Um, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'm now I'm really intrigued to to get some feedback from you then, because uh, a big part of this, and I originally intended this to be about a sixty thousand to eighty thousand word book at most, and the final manuscript um, for publication was like one thirty seven, one thirty eight. And what I found as I started writing this, um, 
it so I, I, I guess tying into a little bit of tangent from earlier, but uh, Father Michael um, in this story is a former cop who is dissatisfied with his work as a cop and became a priest. And that's part of what gets him into this cabal. Um, but in writing this story, starting to put it together, I realized how much my specialized training um, as a cop investigator um, actually kind of fit with what these guys would be doing. And so as I started writing the story, I intended it to be much shorter, feeling a need to make sure that readers could believably see these guys go from a priest on Tuesday to, you know, eight, nine months later, a quasi-secret agent, um, right. you know, and that they had the skills and the, the knowledge to be able to make that function. And so there's also a lot of that, not just training, but also a lot of ethics and philosophy debate and discussion peppered throughout this. Morality, um, too. I, you're what you're, where, you, yes. where you land yep. morally. I, I, yep. here, here's where I see a nexus, okay? Um, I don't think anyone, unless there's something wrong with them, they're, they're, you know, crazy people. And I don't mean mentally ill. I mean, Mm -hmm. just sickos who want to kill. I don't think in your, in your everyday job, you have any intention of walking out of your house or leaving the police station, getting in your work vehicle and saying, today, I'm going to kill someone. I think most likely, most likely you're. You're praying your whole career you'll never have mm-hmm. to fire your weapon. On the yes, other ma'am. hand, the same way as this priest has been disgusted with breakdown in systems, mm-hmm. doesn't want to kill anyone either. But because he, there's mm-hmm. a necessity to rid the world, his world, whatever it happens to be, of evil, mm-hmm. that might necessitate someone dying. So there is a connection there, I think. I think there's a, mm-hmm. a, a nexus between your police procedurals and your Father Michael books. So I'm going to, when I, when I, I just, and I just went and bought a whole bunch of them now. So as soon as I finish <laughs> reading them, <laughs> I'm fascinated now. You know, it, it's a, mm-hmm. Just so not what I was expecting, because when you and I first talked, we talked about, um, I mean, I, I read your website and I'm thinking, okay, this mm-hmm. is a cop doing police procedurals. And you sent me the book. I di- really didn't pay any attention to it at first. And then when I started researching you, I, you know, here we go. We've got all these different series. So it, it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see what happens. Do you have your next book, and I know you're always working on a book, because I think I commented on your Facebook page that you were an overachiever when you said you yes, were, wanted to reach yeah. 500,000 words, you mm-hmm. know, me being the smartass yes. I am, sorry, but um, <laughs> are you already writing, or have you already written your next book? So, um, I just, I'm, I'm going to so, uh, shamelessly throw a plug out there for a, a writing software called Shakespeare that I just started mm-hmm. using about Four months ago, I had been using Scrivener, and I just Mm -hmm. went to Shakespeare. It's S-H-A-X-P-I-R. And this this completely changed my writing process. When I started writing uh, Absolver, Rome, and Uh the the series is going to contain the same names, but then the location is going to vary, and we're going to identify, you know, book one, book two on the the cover to make it simpler. But 
I, I started realizing at first I didn't, I wasn't sure how long this series could actually be um, because I, I really wasn't sure if the story was going to be original enough, if there was uh, actually going to be enough content for readers to accept this guy gallivanting around the globe and, and dispatching folks who desperately might have it coming. Um, but um, as I started putting this together, um, this Shakespeare software easily allowed me to to make a note, okay, for book two, I need to tie up this loose end. And at the end of the series, I need this to be revealed. And so I tell you all that to tell you this, I have 13 books in process right now. Um, oh, my God. In, you're a, you're in a just machine. Series. You are a machine. <laughs> <laughs> so well, which begs the question, I, I, when in the probably, world... Well, well, when in the world do you work? How do you work and write? And you have your family. We were talking in the green room about mm-hmm. your honeydew list for getting your, you know, small gathering of only 30 people this year versus the 40 or 50 you usually have for Thanksgiving. When do you have time to write, Gavin? Well, when I, when I, I'm a little bit blessed in this aspect and I, I don't suffer from writer's block. I, I don't know what the opposite of that is, um, but I, it's really easy for me to step into my make-believe universe and transcribe what I'm seeing and what I'm doing or what my characters are seeing and doing because they're, they're not me. They're, they're different people. But mm-hmm. um, So it's, it's not really difficult for me to sit down, put my headphones on, uh, put the volume at about 12, and um, put out... 10 or 12,000 words in a day. Like that's, that's not a really difficult thing if, if I can just stay focused. Um, so like, uh, last year I, I took a, a trip to Austria with, um, a writer's group, um, with, uh, Derek Murphy and, and some folks there. And I started, I showed up on Sunday with, um, an outline for the debt collectors. And by Saturday, I had a complete first draft, even having taken Thursday off to take care of Thanksgiving last year. So um, I'm incredibly blessed with that, and I'm actually going to start dictating uh, next week is my my first sample run at dictation. So I'm hoping to get that up closer to about 15 or 20,000 a day. And then you mean like Dragon Software or something? Using Dragon software. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, A lot of most writers um, that I speak to find that they have to be physically involved with the process of writing itself. Fingers on keys or pen and paper, you know, fingers on pen and pen on paper so that you can, if you feel you can dictate, that's amazing. Um, Are your books available in in audio, by the way? Yes. uh, The only... The only one that's not in audio at this point is uh, the Absolver series, um, and that's right. just because they're they're just landed. Um, everything else is uh, is available on audiobook. We've got a, a wonderful narrator, uh, Stephen Floyd. I really really like him. He's done fantastic work for us, and I'm very lucky that he was willing to partner with us. Well, my last show on Monday night was about audiobooks because I've never listened to yes, one. Yes, I heard that. And yes. oh, did you? Yeah. You know, am yep. I am I a luddite or what? You know, I had no idea about audiobooks <laughs> and all the ways, that you, the reasons and the whys and the wherefores. Like, I mean, I didn't even know how much they cost. And of course, we had a you know a audio narrator on. Do you yes. listen to your audiobooks? Um, I haven't. Um, I've listened to. 
uh, listen to the the samples to when we were first looking at uh, deciding on a narrator. And um, every time that that the publisher puts out a, a sample on on Facebook and on their website, I, I always make it a point to go and listen to it. And, um, the uh, it's it's been really great to hear someone else speaking my words. Um, and actually, there's it's uh, was kind of surprisingly emotional at one of the one of the scenes that was a little bit tough for me to write and it was equally tough for me to hear. Um, I was kind of surprised by that. It's interesting. Um, I, I have often said that when I go to, you know, an in event book signing, I always mm-hmm. hope the author will read a passage or two from the book where many other authors won't. They'll do a little mm-hmm. commentary and then they do a Q and a and all because it, I hear the characters when I read them in a different way and my, Mm -hmm. the way I'm reading it, you know, I may have imagine a different sound, a different tone, a different timbre, Mm -hmm. a different cadence. So it's always interesting to me to hear how, how the originator of that character reads and, and I'm, I'm often so stunned by it, particularly if it's not an American writer, because no matter where someone is from, I'm born and raised in Miami. I read like a Miami and, you know, I'm a Floridian <laughs> girl. So, Certainly. so, yes. so do you know what I'm saying? So it's interesting to me yeah, to, um, to, to hear, I actually am going to try an audio book now that you've talked about how emotional you got in one scene. I have to go. Now I'm going to go mm-hmm. to see. It's all kinds of for me, Gavin. Uh, I've, uh, uh, you're my like 12, <laughs> happy to help. 1,256 interview. And now I'm going to try an audio. Book. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you. It's all, it's all your fault. Um, I think it's amazing <laughs> that you managed to do a, an amazing real daytime job, what we call a day job in the business. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You, and here's, I want to just read something from your website because this is to me very, very important. And, and it means a lot to me personally. Um, to, the, to this point in his career, Gavin has comforted the dying, talked dozens out of suicide, saved domestic abuse victims from their assailants. He's taken child rapists, murderers, and human traffickers into police custody. He's had the distinct honor of protecting and visit, visiting foreign royalty and national American political figures from both sides of the aisle. I want I want to just say that <laughs> comforting the dying, talking dozens out of suicide, and saving domestic violence victims is so critical that I think mm-hmm. most people don't recognize that. And so I, I want to give you a huge shout out for that, for doing that in your real life and then turning around and writing really satisfying thrillers. Really, like you call it, authentic, hard-boiled crime thrillers. Thank you so much for that. No, I, 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 I'm humbled. Um, and really, it's this is that's just the same job that every cop in America is doing every day. Um, well, you know, the, you the know. job the job changes a little bit from you know friend in Nebraska to New York City. But yes, you know, it's effectively the you know same same group of folks doing the same thing, and and you know most of um, most of the reasons that 
they cop start out the careers and go go to the police academy are all very generally intrinsic um, and incredibly positive reasons for being there. And when with in the current environment, it can be unbelievably um, an unbelievably negative experience just to go to work. I'm but sure it can be. It, well, it, I w- let me just share day, with you. From a domestic violence survivor standpoint, mm-hmm. I almost lost my life at the hands of the man I was married to. We were separated, oh, and no. my life was saved because. Oh no! I'm, believe me, I'm fine. I show my crime scene pictures on Facebook and everything. I'm out and about about it. Um, uh, the police officers in my neighborhood who knew me saved my life. So, to the police officers and nurses who saved me, I am eternally mm-hmm. grateful. I know it's a hard job. Um, but I also know that most cops I know don't give up and they never will despite it being hard, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit more about where we can find you on the webs. We're slowly running out of time. I wish I had another hour sure. to talk to you. I don't, um, <laughs> I, I want to, again, thank you for sponsoring the show. And, and um, by the way, you can find um, Gavin's new book on the web, on our website, authors on the air.com under sponsors with links to his buy page. So make sure you go and get there. The absolver Rome is the new book that's out. But if you go to his website, please give the web address to Gavin. Yeah. So the website is just simply Gavin and Reese is R E E S E. There's apparently a, a, a British UFC fighter without the E at the end. So totally different site. <laughs> okay. Where are you on Facebook and Twitter? Yes. So um on Facebook, um you'll want to find us at um Gavin Reese Author. And okay. Twitter Twitter handle is Gavin the Cop, uh which is also the same <laughs> as Instagram. Okay. Are you a big Instagrammer? Hello? Oh, sorry, Gavin? I lost you there. There, are, do you use Instagram a bit? I use it a little bit. It's, I, I think I'm right on the age cusp of being a little bit too <laughs> old for Instagram, but I'm trying. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working hard to figure out what the kids are doing these days. Okay, you need to have pets and post music and pets, and then your and food, and you should be pretty good. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Perfect. I I, I want to say. Uh, Thank you. It's been an honor and a real pleasure and a real laugh talking with you. This is author and law enforcement officer Gavin Reese. Um, Gavin, I think you're in the Southwest someplace. I'm not going to give away where you are, but um, I want to thank you for being a guest on my show. It's been a lot of fun talking to you, very enlightening. And um, I'll be back in touch with you to tell you what I think of all your books because I read about 400 a year. So I should be able to zip through these pretty easily. Yeah, well, you know, I I told you I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a bad meme. No TV. <laughs> Two thousand right. signed well, books, it's... but no TV. So <laughs> I have a pretty boring it's, life. <laughs> it's been a, a real honor being here. I'm very humbled that you would even even consider me worthy of the conversation. Oh, so I'm, please! I, I'm, I'm very grateful. I, Thank you. I, I love it. So I tell you what, the next book that comes out, please don't make it next week, but the next book that comes out <laughs> within reason, you're going to get back in touch with me, and you're going to say, "I've got a new book. Let's talk," and we're going to do that. Okay. February 11th, the Observer okay. Vienna. It's on pre-order. I now. I will. Um, I'll make a note of that on my book that I've got to get you back there. In the meantime, um, I wish you a happy Thanksgiving to you and your 
30 or 40 or however many you feed. I know you feed, <laughs> you feed Quite other police now. officers and, and EMS and, and uh, uh, so, you know, bless you for that. And I hope That's your holidays a- are safe and happy and filled with joy. Thank you so much for you, being my Pam, guest, I Gavin really Reed. appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you, Pam. And folks, time. that's my show for Superstar Wednesday. Happy Thanksgiving to you all, and thank you, Mom and Dad. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.